This morning, it's entitled, Pray More, Worry Less. Now, I want to point this out to you. This is Neve. I have three kids, Neve, Noah, and Nathaniel. And this is Neve at various points in her life. Uh, it's cute, isn't it? Yeah. Look at her. She's looking shy now, turning down. Um, but just to connect what Kath said a, a few weeks ago, when she shared quite openly about what had happened with each of our children and, and the honesty in which she shared about the uh, cesarean sections and things like that, and not being able to have any more kids because of those things. Well, um, Neve obviously is our eldest, and she needed an emergency C-section, an emergency cesarean section. And why? Because um, the cord, the umbilical cord, was wrapped around her neck and her heart was beginning to fade. She was, she was getting weaker and weaker. And so what went from being quite a chilled out atmosphere in the labor room went to something of absolute panic and, and anxiety and worry and concern. And I remember them, them rushing Kathy off to go get sorted and get ready. And then they gave me some, is it smocks? Do you call them smocks? What? Scrubs, thank you. Smock sounds good as well. I don't know what that means, but um, <laughs> maybe you can look that up. Scrubs and hat. And I remember going to this slightly dim toilet to get changed. It was more of a toilet than a changing room. Uh, and staring in the mirror and saying, God, if I ever needed you, I need you now. Because we didn't expect, excuse me, <clears throat> we didn't expect this. And I prayed to God to give me peace and calm. And he did. He did. And we went in. Kath was sorted. And within, within 15 minutes, it felt like it might have been longer, but less than 15 minutes, we had a newborn, a newborn baby in our arms. And she's growing up to be a beautiful young lady. So where did my trust in God come from? How did he help me in, in what is clearly a very worrying and anxious moment? Well, I want us to find out together, and uh, I want us to look at a few verses from the book of Philippians, and that's in the Bible. Uh, and Paul, the guy that I spoke about last week, who is a major figure in the New Testament, is going to teach us how we might experience a, a true inward peace that God wants us to have, a total absence of worry and concern and anxiety. And he's going to give us four keys to live a worry-free life. Now, let me start by suggesting this really quite strong statement. Okay, you ready for this strong statement? A Christian with a troubled and fearful mind dishonors the Lord. That's quite a statement, isn't it? A Christian with, with, with a troubled and fearful mind dishonors the Lord. That is quite a, a thing to say, but I believe it is biblical, and I'm going to go through why I think that is biblical, because what I mean is that, that to feel troubled, to, to be worrisome, to be fearful, to be fretful, it's the beginning of removing God as our primary focus. And we start to shift to something that isn't God or isn't from God. We may begin to forget about God's wisdom that we have access to through reading his word, which you've all brought today, haven't you? You've all brought his word or it's on your Bible apps or, or whatever. We may begin to stop hearing from the Holy Spirit as clearly as we once did. We may begin, as Ben alluded to up here, we may begin to forget 
all that God has done for us, his faithfulness, his goodness. We may even, and again, this is another strong statement, discover it as an indication in our lives that maybe they're not as given over to God and his will as we thought it was. They're two quite strong statements. But I'm going to cover why I believe they're biblical. So I call today's talk, Pray More, Worry Less. So let's see what God has to say about worry, about the power of prayer, and ultimately how to experience his peace. So let's read together what Paul says then in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 and 9. And if you haven't got a Bible, I'm going to show it up on here. So let's go. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. In verse 6, Paul begins by commanding, don't worry about anything. And I think this gives my earliest strong statement a little bit of weight. We're told not to have any anxiety. And in a lot of translations, you'll find that the word worry is probably more accurately translated as the word anxiety. Because we're told not to worry, not to have fretfulness or fear, no matter what our circumstances or our situations. There is no need to be anxious. And therefore, to repeat, we're told not to worry. So let's ask ourselves this question then. What are the benefits of worrying? How do we benefit from being fretful, from being afraid? And the answer is absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Our worrying and our anxiety doesn't improve our circumstances in any way. We can certainly dip into the well of worry and we can, we can drink deeply but we won't bring about any positive changes in our situation other than getting us more drunk on worry and fear. Jesus himself made this point in a few verses from Luke 12 verses 25 and 26. He says this, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that What's the use of worrying over bigger things? Jesus said that, not me. I'm just repeating his words. What's he saying then? Very simply, he's saying that in no way can we extend our lifespan by worrying. We can't extend it by a year, a month, a week, a minute, a second, or a single moment. Jesus says, that worry and fear can't bring anything positive to our lives. Jesus says that. Our Lord and our Savior, our friend and our God. 
In fact, you know what? Worry and fear do more harm than good. It has been shown in a number of scientific studies that anxiety is destructive to our actual physical health. A huge contributor to heart disease, weakening of the immune system, gastrointestinal diseases, migraines, ulcers, high blood pressure, and the list goes on. Why worry? Why fret? But you know, it's also spiritually really destructive. Why? Because to repeat what I said right at the start, a mind that's occupied with fear and distress is a mind that isn't focused on God. When we worry and when we fret, we lose sight of Jesus. We lose focus on our Father and His will for us. And we're tempted to handle our circumstances and situations through what the Bible calls fleshly wisdom and fleshly strength. In other words, everything through our own human will and our own human strength. Just like what I talked about last week with the Israelites. After their success over Jericho, they went to the city of Ai and it all failed because they didn't listen to God and they didn't do it God's way. They tried to do it their way. We lose focus. We get distracted from carrying out God's plan and purpose for our lives. We, we lose sight of the goodness and the blessings that come through our relationship with Jesus. And we're tempted then to become negative and, and ungrateful. We take our eyes off the one who is the only source of true and everlasting peace. Let's move on to verse 7 in this Philippians chapter. And Paul tells us that then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's getting better, this, isn't it? The peace that comes from Jesus can banish all worry and distress from our hearts and our minds. Not only can it banish anxiety and fear from our hearts and minds, it can keep it away. Wow. The peace that only comes from God can act like a soldier on guard to protect our hearts and our minds. It won't allow anxiety, despondency, and fear to sneak back in. The peace of God is stronger than worry and fear of our human condition. Just as God is greater than our situations and circumstances, so is God's peace much, much greater than the inward worries and fears. We can experience perfect inward peace and tranquility in, in, in the most trying of circumstances. And this doesn't seem possible, does it? It doesn't seem rational. But that's why Paul says that the peace of God exceeds anything we can understand. It's really hard to comprehend or understand how when our world at any moment can seem to be collapsing around us, that we can be perfectly calm and completely composed. The simple answer is that the peace of God can provide that immense blessing. Jesus said, this is Jesus again, so we need to listen to this. In certain Bibles, it's in red, so it's really important. John 14, verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give 
is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Nothing in this world can teach you how to experience divine peace. You can chant, you could do yoga, you could practice your biorhythms, you could pop your pills, have a drink, listen to your meditation music, consume your herbs, burn your aromatic candles, or shop till you drop. But you'll never find that inward tranquility that only God can give. The world can't supply it, and nor can you find it just within yourself. It comes from God alone. When we did Alpha uh, in Headingley, really good couple of seasons of Alpha that we did, but there was one, there was one defining moment. That's good again, just to connect last week, that, that just stays with me. And it was a question, we were talking about peace and the peace of God, and it came from a, a, a guy who, who had lots of questions, wasn't a believer, but had lots of questions. And he, he leant forward and he said, but what is this peace, and how can I have it? And I said to him, in one of those kind of Holy Spirit-wise moments, and I'll paraphrase because that's exactly how I said it. When I said it then, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> I said, well, do you know what? Meditation ain't going to cut it, and yoga isn't going to cut it. You might have a sense of peace momentarily. You might have an inkling in your mind at that moment what it is to have the peace of God, but it won't stay with you. The only way that you will experience God's peace is when you give yourself over to him completely. I can't explain what God's peace is until you believe and you begin to pray. So sorry to give you a dissatisfying answer that doesn't answer it completely for you, but there are some things that are a mystery and we only, we only experience them when we enter into a relationship with Jesus and we lead a prayerful life. Okay. So I said at the top of this sermon that Paul had four keys. So let's, let's go through them. And we're going to start what is what I think is the most important one, which is prayer. And Paul says in this section of Philippians that we're looking at in the middle of verse 6, he says, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Not some things or some tiny things or just pray about the big things. He says, pray about everything. So guys, whatever's bothering us, we need to firstly take it to the Lord in prayer. You can bring it to your mates later on if you want. Bring it to your church leaders later on if you want. But ultimately, the first thing you do is give it to God. You bring your prayers to God and you pray about everything. Whatever we're facing that gives us reason for mental or emotional turmoil or distress or worry, we need to bring it to God's attention. Now, we don't need to be shy about bringing it to him. Whether it's big or small, if it concerns us, it concerns him. Because he wants us to be at peace and not be anxious. We don't have to be nervous about pouring our heart out to him. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 verse 7 that he cares for you. God is, is interested in the big things in our life and he's interested in the small things in our life. Nothing is too trivial to discuss when you approach what the Bible calls the throne of grace. The throne of grace is the very presence of God 
our loving Father. Paul continues in verse 6, tell God what you need. How would you like your situation to be? What changes would you like to see in your circumstances or in the circumstances of others? What would you like God to do? In our prayers, let's be specific. Let's get specific. Submit to God exactly what we want changed. And if it's not an unrighteous desire, in other words, something that God wouldn't oppose, and you can find lots of what he might and might not oppose if you read the word of God, then we don't need to be timid in stating our requests. We can ask whatever we like of God if we present it in this way. But I'll tell you what, what's more important than the request itself is believing that God can and will choose to grant our request. We must believe that God is able to answer our prayers. And I think it's good to remind ourselves of something else that Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 20, in which he says that God is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. We've not even thought of the things that God wants to give us. Wow. Once we've made our request known in faith, we need to, with that same faith, wait patiently and calmly for him to answer. God always answers our prayers. I believe he does. He always answers our prayers, and yet we may miss the answer if it's not presented in a way that we expected or that we wanted, or maybe even we haven't even waited long enough for the answer. When I was writing that sentence, I thought, God may answer your prayer a second before you die, and you may have waited all your life for that answer to come, but I do believe that God will answer your prayers just in a way that you might not expect or want. What's important to note that his answer will be the product of his love. It will be an answer given with compassion and wisdom. He'll answer by delivering what is best for us. Within the verses of Matthew 7, verses 7 and 11, we find this. Let me read verse 7. Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And in verse 11, the latter part of that, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Did you note that last verse? How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Our dearest Father, Abba Father, will always answer by giving us, his children, what's good for us. That means that sometimes he'll answer our prayers precisely as we requested but it also means that sometimes he'll answer in a way different than what he thought we thought he would. Our basis for a peace of mind, for a worry-free life, is that God hears 
and that God answers. And he answers us by giving us what is good. He always delivers what is best. We've got to come to terms with and accept that God sees the bigger picture and will give what is truly the best based on his infinite wisdom, love, and power. Once we we take a concern or worry to God, let's then leave it with him. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. We give, or as some translations will say, cast our worries and fears upon him. The ball is now in his court. We let him make the next move. And in the meantime, what we can do is rest, knowing that God will respond at the right time by giving us that which is for our own good. Let me go through the other keys a little quicker. The second key to living a worry-free life and wrestling God's peace is also found in verse 6. Paul says that we're to tell God all that we need and then, does it say, thank him for all he has done. I think that a lot of the time when we're full of worry and fear, we fail to count our blessings. We forget to acknowledge how good God has been to us already. So what, would, what, what can I give thanks to God for when I'm in stressful situations that begin to concern? I can thank him for my kids, thank him for my wife, thank him for my marriage, thank him for the breath that's in my lungs, thank him that I'm not trying to jump over fences and through barbed wire, thank him that I'm not getting blown up when I want, you know, wherever I may be able to rest my head, thank him that I'm not under persecution. We have so many blessings. So many blessings in our Western culture. Let's give him thanks for that. Let's not forget to present thanksgiving to God. Let's regularly reflect how faithfully he's brought us to the present moment and thank him for his past care. To quote a popular hymn, thank him for the many dangers, toils and snares that he has delivered us from and thank him for it. The point here is that you may never know what those dangers, toils and snares were because you never experienced them because he sorted it out before you went through them. So thank him for the things that you have not even seen. He is a good God. So let's thank him for blessings, answers to prayer. In Psalms 118, uh, verse 29, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Wow. Number number three, the third key to peace of mind is, is partially connected to the second when it comes to our thinking, and that is dwell on the positive. Paul says in verse 8, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I think that this is a key to handling our worries and possibly where we fail the most. Too often we allow our minds to dwell on the negatives in our lives. 
rather than on the positives. We're, we're quite good at seeing our glass half empty rather than half full. Yet everyone, everyone can find a silver lining even in the darkest cloud. We just need to look hard enough and long enough for it. As Christians, our search for that silver should be our first instinct and our first response. God is with us and he is for us. The creator of the universe is working in our lives, wanting to change us for the better, to be more like him. We should be, as believers, the most optimistic and positive people on planet Earth. <laughs> All right, look, finally, the last key to enjoying peace of mind is that we should all be striving to obey and learn from the teachings of not only the whole Bible, but as Christians, I would suggest, will you focus primarily on the New Testament? Paul says in verse 9, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the peace of God will be with you. And there are three ways that obedience leads to peace and a worry-free life. A, if we read and obey God's word, we will avoid any unnecessary heartaches and headaches. We can stay away from so many problems and troubles if we would truly strive to apply the teachings of Christ, that's why I said focus on the New Testament, to our lives. Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2 says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. And if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. B, true peace comes from when you know in your heart and mind that you're doing all you can to please God. If we are sincere in our walk with God, we'll know when we're doing something or acting in a certain way that isn't good. Paul says in Acts 24 verse 16, I will always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and before all people. With obedience comes a clear and clean conscience. A clear and clean conscience promotes peace of mind, which leads to less worry and anxiety. See, it's the third one. The teachings of Jesus emphasize looking beyond ourselves and serving others. The more we take the focus off ourselves, our predicaments, our troubles, our difficulties, our afflictions, and we focus on how we can make life better for someone else, or if we can glorify God, how we can glorify God, then our minds will be liberated. Put into practice Jesus' demand for selfless service. In Galatians 6 verse 2, it's a really short but clear command. It says this, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So let me finish by bullet pointing those four keys. Prayer is the most important. Daily giving thanks. Dwell only on the positive and be obedient to God's command. I strongly encourage each one of us, particularly if you're a bit of a worrier, to put thought and effort into applying these four keys to our daily lives. The God of peace wants us to enjoy his peace.
I want to pray this prayer. And so close your eyes and say amen at the end if it resonates with you. But I believe as imperfect human beings who have to come to God daily, this is a good prayer to say and a good request that's specific and that God will answer. Dear Father, I admit that I can forget that you're with me. I can forget what you're like. Would you please forgive me for that? I need to get to know you better. I need to get to know your word and your promises better. Help me to put you first in every area of my life. Help me to live one day at a time. Help me not to worry about tomorrow, but instead focus on what you're doing in my life right now. I want to trust in your promise to take care of every one of my needs. Financial, relational, physical, social, spiritual, and emotional. Help me to trust you more and to worry less. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.